Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. And I want to talk about cave dwellers this morning. We'll get to the risen Christ. <laughs> Amen. But I want to talk about cave dwellers. And if you would go with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9. I pray that the word of God would minister to you, but also challenge you and get you out of your comfort zone and into the path that you have been assigned by God. Because we all have an assignment to accomplish here on earth. You're just not on this planet just to be here. How many believe that? Tell somebody, you have a purpose here. First Kings chapter 19, verse 9, it says, There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What? Are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? That same chapter. Go to verse 14. He replied, and I, this is Elijah speaking, the prophet. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. In verse 13, he had repeated, what are you doing here, Elijah? Twice he tells Elijah, what are you doing in this cave? This is not what I have assigned for you. We know he was afraid. But God is so amazing because in verse 15, when he says, go back the way you came. In other words, you're afraid, you may have failed, but you're not going to start at zero. You're going to go back to where you left off. I want to share with you. That it is time to come out of the cave. A cave is a hollow in the earth, an opening on a hillside or a mountain. There is a definition for cave, and I found this definition. It means to submit under pressure is what we call he caved in. You ever heard that expression, when one caves in? The crisis came, there's problems, and he just caved, he kind of closed himself. It's to submit under pressure, the definition says. People explore caves. There are writings inside caves. People have been born, lived, and died in caves. In caves, you can find tragedy just as you can find treasures. Usually caves are dark, cold, empty. Sometimes you find bats, wolves, bears, animals seeking shelter. Caves have been used by all kinds of creatures. 
that need a shelter from a storm or a situation or they're being hunted down. Caves have also been used by people who could not believe God. In Genesis 19.30, Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. He left Zoar because he was afraid, and usually you end up in a cave when you are bound by fear. I like the acronym for fear, false evidence appearing real. Fear is just faith in the enemy. I'm going to repeat that. Fear is just faith in the enemy. Sometimes we substitute our faith for fear. Listen, these last two years, you know, the spirit of fear was unleashed with the whole COVID thing. You know, and, and it's, it's all right. We follow protocols. It's okay. If, if you want to wear the mask, you don't want to wear the mask, you want to get vaccinated, you want it, that's all on you. But there's one thing that we cannot allow is to allow America or this world or the enemy to paralyze the church of Jesus Christ. We have a message to give to this world. Now, there is nothing wrong going into a cave for a while. Say a while. Okay. So it's, it's nothing wrong going into a cave for a while. David was in a cave, in the cave of Adullam in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 22. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. Verse 2, all those who were in distress, look at the people that were in the cave, those that were in distress, in debt, the discontented, gathered around him, and he became their commander. Now let me talk to you about the dangers of a cave. I want you to go to Joshua chapter 10, and I want you to keep that open. In Joshua chapter 10, verse 16. Verse 16, it says, Now the five kings had fled and hidden in the cave at Makeda. So the cave can become a hiding place. Say with me, the cave can become a hiding place. Living in a cave can become a way of life. Because even heathens... Not just godly people, but even he heathens live in caves. So you have to be careful who's in the cave with you. You have to be careful because you don't know where you're going to get your ideology, your philosophy, or your theology while you're in the cave. You have believers also that are hiding in caves, you know, and, and sometimes they, they don't want to be alone. They want company. So, so they'll kind of pull you in with their troubles. They kind of pull you in with their words and try to... The, the fear that's binding them, they try to cast it on you. Hey, why don't you come here? Oh, be careful with this. And, and, and it's okay. We need to be cautious but not fearful. Sometimes we hide in a cave when we get hurt, when a crisis arises. Every time someone preaches or pushes that button and conviction hits, sometimes we tend to just cave in and hide in a cave and we try to justify ourselves. Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 18, you could read it later on, verses 1 through 15. But I want to I wanna point out a verse here. While Jezebel, verse 4, while Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophet, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. If you go to verse 13. Now Obadiah is talking to Elijah, and he says, haven't you heard, my Lord, that I, 
what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord. I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets. Listen, he hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves. Fear caused Obadiah to hide the prophets in the cave. How can you hide the mouthpiece of God? What's keeping us from expressing the message of God? What's keeping us from, from fulfilling the assignment of God or the call of God? And I'm going to say something, and I don't know what you're going to do, with, but a silenced preacher is no better than a dead one. A silenced Christian is no better than a dead one. These prophets were hiding. What were they doing in the cave? What were they telling each other? Shh, be quiet. And yet there was one prophet on the outside of the cave that was calling fire down from heaven. So the cave can become a hiding place. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 10. Now look at verse 17 and 18. And when Joshua was told that the five kings had been found hiding in the cave at Makeda, he said, roll large rocks up to the mouth of the cave and post some men there to guard it. Sounds like what they did to Jesus. We'll get into the resurrection. So these kings hid in a cave, and that cave became their hiding place. But here's a problem. The longer you stay in the cave, the worse it gets. Because now the cave is no longer a hiding place. Now it has become a prison. And now you don't have no say on when you're going to come out of the cave because there's a guard outside, and it's when he says you're going to come out. A cave doesn't have to be a location. A cave can be an attitude, an experience, an episode in our lives where we cave in. An example is Moses, Acts chapter 7, verse 27. It says, but the man who was mistreating the other, let me give you a quick what's going on here. Two Israelites are fighting. The day before... Moses had killed an Egyptian. So the next day, these two Israelites are fighting, and now Moses tries to stop them. Now look what happens in verse 27. It says, but the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses. Somebody say pushed. Okay. He pushed Moses aside. Who made you ruler and judge over us? Verse 29, and Moses, when he heard this, he fled to Midian where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. That push, listen to this, lasted 40 years. He caved in for 40 years. Church, the cave can be a hiding place. The cave can become a prison. And usually, we start to get comfortable in the cave, and we start to furnish the cave with excuses. Oh, I come from this family. Remember Jeremiah? Oh, but I don't know. I'm just a young boy. I don't know how to speak. And, and, and Moses at one point said, but I stutter, you know. And, and, and we, we start giving all these excuses not to come out of the cave. 
Now what happens? Go back to Joshua 10, verse 26 and 27. Then Joshua put the kings to death and exposed their bodies on five poles. And they were left hanging on the poles until evening. Verse 27. At sunset, Joshua gave the order and they took them down from the poles and threw them into the cave where they had been hiding. So now the cave that started out as a hiding place then became a prison, now became their grave. Because they did not come out of the cave. Tell your neighbor, you got to get out of the cave. You have to get out of the cave. The longer you stay there, the more, I repeat, you will furnish that cave and it will become your home. But God did not call you to live in a cave. God called you to fulfill an assignment here on earth. There is a call upon your life. There is a purpose. You have destiny. I know you have a, a bad background. I have a bad background. Everybody's dysfunctional. But when Christ, the risen king, has given us eternal life, and he has given us an assignment, so I can't stay in the cave. I have to come out of the cave. Moses almost, he almost stood in his cave. There's one thing that's so, how many thank God for his mercy? His mercy endureth forever because we could be in a cave. Moses was in his own personal cave and had the experience of the burning bush. And God called him. Because, why? If Moses would have stayed in his personal cave, and if you and I stay in our personal cave, we will not experience what's on the outside. Moses would not have experienced, would not have experienced what? Signs and wonders. What were the signs and wonders? The ten plagues. He would not have experienced the dividing of the Red Sea. He would not have experienced the, the manna coming down from heaven. He would not have experienced, hallelujah, the law and the, and, and the, and the plans of the tabernacle. He, all this was on the outside of the cave. If he would have stood in the cave, he would not enjoy those benefits and what God had for him. It was through Moses that we received the law. Imagine on one side he has the law, and on the other hand he has the plans of the tabernacle. On one side, the law that revealed sin, but did nothing for us, did, not, did nothing for the sin. But he had on the other side the tabernacle, which is a picture of grace. Because grace came, Jesus Christ came, and he fulfilled the law. But that tabernacle, listen. Quick two-minute teaching. In the tabernacle, you had the outer place, the holy place, and the holy of holies. This was all on the outside of Moses' cave. There was a, a door or an, a, the entrance into the outer court. The Hebrews wrote the word way. The entrance to go into the outer court. They wrote way. When to go into the holy place, on the top of the entrance, they wrote Truth. On the, the entrance to go into the Holy of Holies, they wrote the word life because that's where the Shekinah glory was at, the presence of God. And only the high priest can go there. So when Jesus in the gospel stands up and says, I am the way, 
I am the truth. I am the life. And no man cometh by no man cometh to the Father but by me. He was the he was telling, I am the true tabernacle. That was just a foreshadow, but I am the real tabernacle. I am the grace. I am the one that will forgive your sins. I am the one that will take death, hallelujah, and destroy it. Tell somebody, come out of the cave. Pastor Fabian has been saying that all weekend something great is about to happen this year. Something great is about to happen this year. I believe that. I embrace that. I don't know about you, but I believe that the best yet, the best time is about to come right now in our lives, in finances, in our families, in, in salvation, in healing. I believe it's about to happen. That's why I can't stay in the cave. I don't know about you, but I can't stay in this cave. Why? Because I know the enemy is trying to keep me there. He wants it to be my prison. He wants it to be my grave, but no, I'm not going to the grave until I fulfill my assignment in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Lazarus was, born, was, was buried in a cave. They put him in a cave. Jesus said these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. Even though Lazarus was sick and Jesus didn't come when they wanted him to come. You know, sometimes we, we have that urgency where we need God right now. I need you now, God, and, 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 and God doesn't appear in our urgency. It's when he says. Because Jesus, he said when they went to get him, hey, your friend, he's sick. Because they knew he could heal. They saw his healing power. Lazarus, your friend, he's sick. Why don't you come and pray for him? He says, no, this sickness is not unto death, for God will be glorified. Because it's not when I say, because if it's when I say, then I'll get the glory. But when he says it and he does it, he gets the glory. And then Jesus gets there on the fourth day. And I'm about to close. On the, you know, it's interesting because the Hebrews believe that when a person died and they put them in the cave, in their tomb, they would stay around the cave for three days. It was their custom. I believe it's found in Genesis. Why? Because they believe that there's the spirit of that person was hovering over the tomb or over his body, trying to find a way back into the body. For three days they would do that because they knew that once the third day had closed, then he was truly dead. And then they would leave. You look in John chapter 11. He didn't come. Jesus didn't come on the first day. He didn't come on the second day. He didn't come on the third day. He came on the fourth day when everybody said he's dead. He'll stay in that cave forever. 
So Jesus comes on the fourth day, and then there's this conversation. I love the conversation with Martha because she says, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. She kind of like throws it in his face. And Jesus said, but, but, then, but then it was like a glimpse of, of faith. Then she says, but I know that whatever you ask of the Father, he'll do it. And then Jesus saw a little bit like a spark of faith. Said, okay, your brother will rise. And then she says, oh, yeah, in the day of resurrection. So she had faith for the past if you would have been here. Listen to the grammar. And then he says, your brother will rise. And then, then she goes to the future. Yeah, in the day of resurrection. So she had faith for the past and she had faith for the future. But in the present, standing before her was the resurrection and the life. And when he goes, he calls Lazarus out. Death had to let him go. They had to remove the stone. And when he came out, the Bible says that he came out, you know, like a mummy. That's how they would, they would wrap them up, you know, and, and, and like the, these, these sheets. And then they would wrap his face also. So he came out. He was out of the cave, but he was still bound. And then. The story says that Jesus told some people, loose him and let him go. So you'll come out of the cave, you'll have some issues, but you'll be loosed and you'll be let go. And I'll finish. Listen, what gives Christianity the transforming power to change lives? What is it that gives us the power to change lives and to see lives change? You know why? Because Jesus wouldn't stay in his cave. Jesus didn't stay in his cave. He was there just three days. And he came out. And when he came out, he came out with the keys of death and hell. I said this last night. You know, the devil's not a bad booger. He'll tell you, I'm going to bind you. I'm going to bind your family. When I was a kid, they used to sing this song in Sunday school. Satan is a slight old fox. I wish I can catch him and I put him in the box. I lock the box and I throw away the key for all the dirty tricks he played on me. So I'm glad I got converted. So there I was like a 10-year-old just singing that, yeah. But the enemy tries to lock us in a box. But the truth of the matter is he can't lock you because he doesn't even have the keys to his own house. Jesus took the keys from him. Jesus is alive. Jesus has resurrected. He's no longer in the cave. He took captivity captive when he went into the cave. That was the purpose, to take captivity captive and give us life in the name of Jesus. How many say amen? Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus.
Father, right now, you know those that are dealing with their own personal cave right now. They may be hiding right now, Lord. But I'm asking you, Lord, don't allow this to become a way of life for them. Don't allow their cave to become a prison or even a grave. But that they would come out and fulfill the assignment that you have called them to. Father, if there's anyone here that has not been living for you, I bind their souls to the body of Christ right now. Anyone who has been dealing with a sickness, we trust your word, believe your word, that by your stripes we already have been healed. Set the minds free. Set them free, Lord. So that they will accomplish what they have been called to do. As you have your eyes closed, your heads bowed. If there's anyone here right now. And maybe you've been struggling with your own personal cave. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sensing the presence of God right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray right now for those who are sick in body, Lord. I pray for that blood disorder, Lord. I declare that person healed right now. calling them out in the name of Jesus out of their cave right now of sickness. Thank you, Jesus. 
you may have come here today. Maybe this is your first time or second time, but maybe you haven't made a decision to give your life to Jesus. And if you want to give your life to Jesus this morning and say, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, have mercy on me. I need you in my life. I'm not telling you you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to leave this. No, I'm telling you to take that first step to say, Jesus, come into my heart and then allow the Holy Spirit to just work in your life. I've been serving God for like 39 years and he's still working in me. But I can tell you that my life is secure in him and I want your life to be secure as well. If you want that prayer right where you're at, just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. You want Jesus to come into your heart. God bless you. Anyone else? Say, I want him to come into my heart. I want to start living for him. I want him to forgive my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray right now for those that raise their hand. I bind their soul to the body of Christ. Father, I ask right now that your spirit would breathe upon them. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Transform them from death to life, Lord. From the curse to the blessing. And I thank you. Because it is by your blood, by the crucifixion and resurrection that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Before I give this part up, I want to pray for those that you need a healing in your body. Just raise your hand right where you're at. You need God to heal you. Let me see your hand. Raise your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus. Those that raise your hand, please stand to your feet. Please stand to your feet. And join me. We got a few minutes. You that are standing, come forth right now. I ask if you would please come to the front and give me the privilege to pray for you. Father, I come in agreement each person here has a sickness but Jesus, you took that sickness on your body your word says that by your stripes ye were healed your word says that you sent the word and healed them your word says that it is your will that we be in health even as our soul prospers, our spirit, soul, and body. So, Father, whatever the disease or sickness may be, 
I'm going to ask those that are in their seats, if you could just stretch your hand forth, come in agreement with me. Father, where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there, Lord. If two shall agree upon anything in your name, it will be done. We come in the name of Jesus, name that is above every name. Your sickness has a name, but Jesus' name is above that name. And by that name, by the power and authority of the name of Jesus Christ, I declare you healed right now. Raise your hands and just start thanking him. Just start thanking him in the name of Jesus, Lord. Heal every bone, every joint, every organ right now. Every blood disorder in the name of Jesus. I declare healing right now. Cancer go in the name of Jesus. Arthritis go in the name of Jesus. I declare right now in the name of Jesus that your body, your organs will submit to the word of God and function as it was created to function in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. 